Hi, welcome to Embark. I'm Liz Solar, and every once in a while I like to break format. It's fun to do, right? Also, taking a break from the two-person interview this week to just share some thoughts with you. When I was a child, my parochial grammar school required us to wear uniforms. So for eight years, our daily wardrobe consisted of a white cotton short sleeve blouse with a Peter Pan collar and navy blue V-neck belted jumper, a navy bow tie, nice, white socks and saddle shoes. Our high school couture featured an accordion-pleated red-gray and yellow wool skirt, white blouse, light gray wool vest, and a fire engine red blazer featuring a round patch with the school's insignia on the breast pocket. Even the cool kids looked dorky. At high school graduation, several of us celebrated with a little bit too much gin and a large bonfire upon which we laid down our sartorial burdens. A parochial education, apparently, like the military, believes uniforms provide conformity and order and would stem any competitive or, more to the point, provocative dress. There is a certain amount of fun and creativity and anticipation in choosing one's own wardrobe, especially for those occasions that are elevated. I wonder about the young 10-year-old girl in Uvalde choosing between a light blue frock and denim shorts and a tie-dye t-shirt, or the fourth-grade boy making an executive decision about what game shirt to wear. It is a special day, one of the last heady days of school before summer break, a time of pizza parties and award ceremonies and staying at school to watch movies with the family you create during your school days. There's a palpable joy and excitement in the air, and yes, a relief that a stretch of days and weeks lay ahead without the jarring ring of the morning alarm clock. Days filled with baseball and crafts, camping and bike riding, hopscotch, jump roping, all the things that make childhood childhood. And then there are those days just lazing across your front lawn, staring up at a blue sky and daydreaming of what could be. In that same neighborhood, a young man readies himself for his big day. He is cloaked in black from top to toe. He accessorizes with a weapon so potent in its destruction, it was deemed too dangerous to be deployed in the Vietnam War a conflict that endorsed the use of napalm. Now, sit with that remarkable bit of information for a moment. You know what's not remarkable? School shootings. Parkland, Sandy Hook, Uvalde, and a scroll of towns and locations too long to mention here. Names now forever linked with loss and heartbreak and, yes, carnage. At Uvalde's Robb Elementary School, young children, the soft skin of their beautiful faces their tender little bodies so decimated, their grieving parents consented to DNA testing to be able to identify their precious babies. It is unimaginable and unspeakable, this thing to lose a child, something that I cannot fathom. How does one live with that? How do the siblings, extended family, friends, students, teachers in the greater community wrap their heads around this sudden violence And how will they deal with the deep, lasting trauma that will follow? And what of those two teachers? A mix of maternal instinct and a courage sorely lacking from those who would claim to protect the most vulnerable among us. These women, mothers themselves, shielded their students with their own bodies. As for the deceased shooter, 
What darkness shrouds an 18-year-old man who celebrates their birthday by treating himself to an AR-15 and almost 400 rounds of ammunition, then sets upon a rampage to decimate 22 human souls? Two weeks ago in Buffalo, another troubled young man drove 200 miles out of his way to spray hate and gunfire at 10 elderly people who simply were shopping for groceries on a Saturday afternoon. Gun manufacturers now market their most dangerous wares to a new and impressionable market, many of whom aren't old enough to be served alcohol or buy cigarettes. You can't drive a car or even fish without a license. My dog needs a license. Cannabis is still illegal in many states, and from recent events, so may be birth control. But guns will make an exception. What can we do? I don't buy into the cynicism that we've done all that we can do. That's a story powerful people say to remain in power, and now with not even the pretense to send thoughts and prayers. The answer isn't more guns. It's universal background checks, which according to a recent Suffolk University poll, is supported by 90% of the country. Similar polls with 80 to 90% of this country backing background checks. We don't know what the darkness was that caused Tuesday's shooter to extinguish those 21 lights. It's a mystery that will most likely be buried with this young man. Was it mental illness? Maybe. But the same wonks who dragged their feet on gun reform have an equally poor showing in their support of programs for the mentally ill, unless you consider cutting health care support. And still, I have hope. We can change. My generation saw the marginalization of gay people and devastation of the AIDS epidemic evolve into allyship with the LGBTQ community and a legalization of gay marriage, which I'm proud to say was first adopted by my beloved state of Massachusetts. Conversation. It's kind of my thing. We need more of it. We have to talk to each other. And we definitely have to talk to our legislators. And please, vote. A bereft Senator Chris Murphy of Connecticut, no stranger to mass school shootings, asked the question in Congress, what are we doing? Why are we here? It's time to start answering those questions. And then, let's do something. Have a fun and peaceful holiday weekend. And in the meantime, thanks for listening.